Hi, it's Pam, and it is time to chat for the second time today in this August uh, COVID-19 situation. So I went out this morning in the car and did a podcast, and you do pick up some road noise. You can hear road noise as I stop it, stop lights and things like that, but it was fun to do. And so today I invited Gary, hi Gary, to join me for a couple of things. But at the end of that podcast, because it was in the car, it did cut off early. So if you listen, if you listen to that one, uh, where I was going with that was, uh, you know, be sure and check us out at our, at our website, northpalmbeachlife.com and it got cut off. So apologies for that. But that's what happens. I mean, you know, the Lincoln lawyer, (laughs) he could do it. So I figure drinking coffee, looking for things as I drive along, trying to talk. Uh, But it was it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. And it's nice because it is live and spontaneous and things happen. And I never did find the nonprofit organization I was looking for. So to make donations to that our friends told us about. So I have to go back and do that. But there's there's so many things to talk about this week, so I will invite you back several times this week um, because just some cool, interesting things going on. But I I kind of reeled you in today because um, Oliver Stone is in post production of a documentary series that he's doing on JFK. And. That is a very interesting, I mean, it, it's been of interest for me for a very long time, uh, even uh, before, uh, you know, I was working in, at the uh, Dallas Morning News, where I, I really got into mm-hmm. the topic. Uh, back at the, in my days at the Star-Telegram, we had a reporter named Jim Mars, and Jim's sidelight, he had many sidelights, uh, he was a uh, a UFO enthusiast, and uh, uh, also followed a whole lot of the uh, uh, conspiracy theories, uh, the Illuminati, and so on. But he he was very very big on the JFK assassination, and uh, spent a lot of, of time outside his regular job, which I think it was police reporter at the beginning, of uh, really looking into the JFK matter and. Uh, Eventually, and, and uh, he, he did write about it, but uh, he took that and, and made it into a book uh, that Oliver Stone actually used uh, uh, in the filming of, of JFK. And Jim also uh, developed a college course out of it that he taught. So he was very well known as a, a leading JFK researcher. Well, I think this documentary series will be really interesting. I'm not clear in looking at uh, Internet Movie Database where exactly it's going to land uh, after post-production is completed. Uh, Oliver Stone is also in pre-production on something else called White Lies, but this is a a documentary apparently something to do with Cuba and... uh, and JFK and, and so forth. So I think it, it sounds like it has a lot of potential, but I would also like for you to talk about some of the things you did with the school book depository there in downtown Dallas because you and and, and your team, did the, the Dallas Morning News team, did some really interesting things in conjunction with that museum. 
Well, we did. Uh, when I got to the morning news, of course, uh, for the assassination, the newspapers there in the area, the Star-Telegram and the morning news uh, and the Times-Herald were, uh, you know, the leading, uh, I guess, investigative uh, reporting uh, places for the JFK assassination. They were right in the middle of it. So when I got to the morning news, uh, one of the people that worked for me, John Banks, uh, was a sports guy, but he also was a very avid JFK uh, researcher. You just attract it like a magnet. I guess so. And uh, so John had a very long and deep interest in JFK. And so working together, we uh, discovered that uh, Channel 8, the WFAA in, in Dallas, uh, uh, the ABC affiliate had a lot of archival material. Uh, they had done interviews, on-air interviews, right after uh, from people that were on the grassy knoll. They brought them on the air live and interviewed them about what they saw. So all these were available to us, and as well as a lot of the reporting that had been uh, at the Dallas Morning News. And one of the things John discovered, which was just fascinating was that uh, several weeks after the assassination, the managing editor asked all the people who were involved in covering that event to write a first-person account of, of what happened that day and uh, what they did. And these, all these accounts had been gathered up and were actually in a, in a safe. Uh, wow. <laughs> in the morning news that hadn't really been uh, opened or, or used in... You know, since the assassination, really, I think, 40 years or more. So John uh, got these first-person accounts and had them transcribed. And then at the same time, we used the archival footage from Channel 8 and developed a DVD product that, uh, you know, working also with the School Book Depository, we wrote, John uh, worked with them and... Uh, so it was just a fascinating project to bring all this material together into a DVD, which I think we sold for 20 bucks. Do you still have any of those? I think I have a couple. Because I'd kind of like to watch it again because of the of the on-air interviews. Uh, go ahead, and, and but I, I want to come back to that. So. Yeah, I mean, the on-air interviews, it was just so 60s because, mm -hmm. you know, you had the, the uh, reporter... You know, smoking on the air, right. and uh, yeah, as he talked to uh, the witnesses. And, uh, it was but it just captured so much of the emotion. They were so emotional. The reporter, you know, the the on air staff. They were, you could feel it. You could feel it through. These were black and white images. Uh, they weren't. They weren't using color cameras at that time. All that. All that much, I guess, for the news. No, no, no. They weren't. It was black and white. And, and one thing that, that struck me, there was a, a, a very well, uh, Jerry Haynes, uh, mm -hmm. I think. Mr. Was, Peppermint. He was Mr. Peppermint, which was an early morning children's show that uh, could keep kids entertained, getting ready for school. And it, it was kind of a goofy little show. He wore a, a straw hat, like a, what do you call those? Those, those little, uh, what do you call those? Anyway, uh, the straw hat, the Panama hat. Like a carnival hat, hat really. Uh, yeah, with, uh, and a striped, you know, yeah. uh, jacket. 
but then he was he really became the journalist that he was and so it was funny to see that i'd like to see those those tapes yeah those, i need that to try DVD to again. dig that up yeah. um, but i know i remember vividly one of the transcripts was by a reporter that uh, you know they has, took assigned people all over the city and they assigned him to go to parkland hospital and this was early on and he just uh you know, felt like he was missing out on the biggest story of the century because there was nothing going on at Parkland. I mean, he was, he was just there in case something Parkland happened. Parkland's County Hospital in Dallas. Yeah, and so he was really kind of stewing that, you know, he's missing out on everything. And then he said, uh, you know, lo and behold, an ambulance pulled up. And the... Uh, ambulance driver saw him standing there and said, you know, hey, buddy, give us a hand. And so uh, he got one corner of this uh, gurney or, or what they were taking out into Parkland Hospital and um, immediately knew that it was JFK that they were bringing to the hospital. And so once he got in there, he, he rushed to find a phone, and it was, I, I don't know if it was JFK or it was a coffin, but it was, I think it was a coffin, yeah, and so he helped him bring this coffin in there, and so he rushed to find a phone in a nurse's station, kind of clandestine, and called the city editor and said, uh, I've got a, a scoop for you, JFK is dead. And he said, how would you know that? You know, we've got, uh, you know, people all over the city. Nobody is reporting that. And he said, well, I just carried his coffin. And <clears throat> Well, you have another pretty interesting story about that as well from the, the Fort, Worth, Fort Worth, Texas side uh, newspaper, one mm -hmm. of the very famous, very well-known travel writers. Uh, also Jerry had, Right, so, so talented. He also had a, a story. Yeah, Jerry, uh, of course, on the on the Fort Worth side, he was at Star-Telegram, like you said, a very talented uh, writer and uh, travel writer and author. And so he was at uh, Rose Hill Cemetery for uh, Oswald's funeral, and they couldn't get anybody to carry Oswald's casket, so they recruited newspaper people to do it. And he was one of the ones that yeah. carried Oswald's casket. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It was so amazing. Yeah. So it was a, a extremely interesting story and, and remains so to this day, obviously, with Oliver Stone. And, yeah. Uh, it, it just will never be not a fascinating story to people. They, because, they always wonder, what's the truth? Because of that, because of the truth, the quest for the truth. And I recently, this past weekend, just hot outside, you're just bored, nothing to do, and uh, bored with everything that's <laughs> that's on, and on Prime, uh, I came across a movie called The Bice, the Bystander Theory, and I really just started watching it because uh, the, the synopsis is that soon after inheriting a home in a small Texas town, a woman receives word that her, her grandfather may have been involved in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. So I started watching it, and it, I, my review of it would be that 
I stuck with it because I really wanted to see where this was going, but the acting in it uh, uh, and the production, you could, in my opinion of it, it seems like they had a, a budget that was not huge. And the, to me, the standout character in it was this disc jockey who had a lot of information that he connected with this woman um, who this one was based in Austin and then she went to this little town and really how it ended up and this is a huge spoiler so if you don't want to know stop listening right now if you intend to watch the bystander theory just for fun um, beat 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 um, it was really that her grand it was really about her grandmother not her grandfather in the end who they thought was the infamous or famous whichever babushka lady who was filming that day at that precise moment of the assassination from a different vantage point and they have tried forever to find out who it was who who was the babushka lady the lady in the scarf you see her from the back wearing a coat and she was filming and she had a, a great vantage point and they've never found her uh, I think to this day they, they they don't know who she was. She vanished. Was she a lady? I mean, that's my question. But the, the premise of the of the film was that it was her her grandmother, and so had a kind of a cool uh, a cool vibe to this little film. Um, so um, still, so many mysteries, so many mysteries. So I'm looking forward to the the. Um, you know me, I love that sort of thing. What I don't love are unsolved mysteries. Um, and I have my own theories. And this may be the biggest unsolved mystery of all. Yeah, but I wanted to bring you in on that uh, today. I want to talk about Death in Paradise, but we've, we've uh, I think we've kind of gone on. Enough Death in Paradise is a whole other, that's a, a show that we watch, and uh, there's some interesting background on that that uh -huh. I want to discuss with you on another podcast. Well, we'll save that for the next one. We will. We definitely will. So stay with us for Death in Paradise. Thanks, Gary, for all of that, and it, it really did make me want to see that that DVD again. Yeah, so, I can't, I can't, uh, and I can't wait to see this new documentary. Yeah, me too. So we'll, we'll kind of keep tabs tabs on that um unfortunately jim mars uh has uh, he is now the late yeah jim he's mars. passed away i mean he's uh but uh please you know go to amazon and look look for his books it's m-a-r-r m-a-r-r-s you still see him occasionally on the history channel he did a lot of history channel stuff uh they interviewed him for several of the uh series on i that. always thought he was a, a your typical reporter, when I would see him, because I was also at the newspaper, um, in uh, in the newsroom, just walking around, he was always, he was your typical, if you've ever seen all the president's men, and the way they rush around, yeah. newsrooms can be very boring, I think most people don't understand that, it's pretty mundane uh, in a newsroom, every day, it's everybody doing editing, reporting at their, at their stations, doing their jobs, and it's pretty quiet, um, the, the uh, copy desk does the headlines, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not all that, uh, that you see in movies, where people are rushing and going, except when there's a huge breaking story, and then it is incredible to see, and it is incredible to be around people rushing photographers, rushing out, because they're always in a different area, yeah. it's very exciting, or when a big prize 
has been won. Yeah. Then, like the Pulitzer Prize. And the, and there is a, a right way to say Pulitzer, by the way. It's not what most people say. It is Pulitzer. Pulitzer. So, anyway, thanks for being here. And, uh, and uh, as always, we're going to say, be kind. Yes, please be kind and wear your mask. Wear your mask and uh, stay with us. And please, please, please visit our website. Everything in the world is there. And Gary may have to write a blog about all of this new, uh, this new Oliver Stone. I may do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, you've inspired me. I think that you should. And please visit my other podcast as well, uh, My Father's Tales and uh, Travel Bistro. And um, get out there and make it work for you. Keep on keeping on. Keep it real. Stay with us. <laughs>